Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm thrilled to have you along on this wild ride as we explore the untamed world of rodeo life and the families and supporters that make it all happen. From thrilling arena action to quiet moments behind the scenes, this podcast is your ticket to the heart of true rodeo life. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and as a rodeo wife and mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the joys and challenges of life in and around rodeo. Together, we'll dive deep with rodeo families, rodeo athletes, and other folks who are living and breathing the Western way of life. We'll explore topics like raising families while husbands are away, navigating the dangers of a professional rodeo career, keeping a relationship alive when you're hundreds of miles apart, and what it takes to pursue your own goals in the midst of it all. Whether you're part of a rodeo family, a fan, or just someone who loves Western culture, Companion Pass will give you all the real, unfiltered insights you've been looking for. Let's dig in. Well, today's episode is the moment that you have all been waiting for. It's a first for Companion Pass, and I'm so excited to finally be bringing this to you. We have our first rodeo husband. Today, we've got Charlie Crawford. Now, Charlie is not just a rodeo husband. He is also quite the team roper in his own right. He's a 10-time NFR qualifier. He's a dad of three kids, but he's married to Jackie Crawford. I think anybody that is even in rodeo's orbit knows who Jackie is. She's a 20-time world champion. She's the million-dollar winner at last year's American. She is just endless inspiration for every girl out there with rodeo dreams. But Charlie, thank you so much for being here today. You bet. I'm used to being on kind of a, a woman's stage here in the last few years, so this is really not a very hard Call a jump on. Now, you have had the huge rodeo career of your own, of course. You're now kind of stepping away from that. You're retired from full-time professional rodeo. And now, Jackie, your wife, is the one who's rodeoing Mm full-time. What has that transition been like for you? It was literally a complete role reversal for when, when I was rodeoing. She was home taking care of the place. She was doing a few clinics, but she also still continued rodeo. She went to all the amateur rodeos around here, went to all the big events, and she took care of Cadence here at home and then took care of Creed. And then when Journey was born, then it kind of just switched. And then now she has Creed and Journey out there on the road with her. And she's hitting the rodeos like it was in the 90s. I'm sure Luke remembers that when there was not a limit on the rodeos. And they have them girls rodeoing like their hair's on fire. And... How she does it, I have no idea because, I mean, she's a little off. I'm not going to lie. Like her, her work ethic is so crazy that there's not very many people like her. I, w- I would put her up there with Michael Jordan's yeah. stature and the fact of like what she can mentally handle. It's, she would tell me about when she drove up there to Redmond, Oregon, and I think it was her and Cheyenne and Hope. And they had the bus, they had Journey, they had Creed. I think an axle fell off the trailer, I think, when they got to Redmond. And I think they were up on Wednesday. The axle was delivered on Thursday. They were trying to get the axle off the trailer. And I don't remember the exact details, but something about some bureaucracy where they couldn't unload the axle because they didn't have the right permit. And somehow they ended up figuring out by Friday that they couldn't get the axle and put it on in time for them to leave to get to Oakdale, California on Saturday morning. So they somehow got a trailer bought from a dealership but they had a five horse trailer with five horses and they could only find a four horse bumper pole for sale and so they bought a four horse bumper pole got it all moved out got it finalized on like friday night ended up getting a ride for the fifth horse somewhere in the stock trailer headed down there and as they're driving all night back down there to oakdale all night drive through the mountains journey's throwing up the whole time the whole time and when she throws up, it stinks. Like it's not just, it's not a clean throw up. I think they got there at four o'clock that morning. They roped at eight oh five, and she was telling me about how they're because they don't have a they have the bus. It's not like they can unhook and go to the cleaners. Right. They got to borrow someone's rig and get all that stuff in there that's all thrown up on. I said that's where you would have seen where I started, and you can see where I retired. If I had to do that. I'd have retired at Oakdale. I'd have paid my fees, and I'd have drove back to Texas. I'd have been done. Yeah. That story right there, everything I know about Jackie, that kind of perfectly encapsulates it all is that she just does not have 
a bone in her body that will ever give up. She's just constantly. And how cool for you as I'm sure that must not only give you so much respect for her as a mom and a wife, but also just as a competitor, like you coming from that side of it, like what you just said and seeing that kind of just sheer determination in her. You know, Trevor had that. And the crazy thing about Jackie is she can slit your throat and hold a baby five minutes later. Her competitiveness is she's going to go for your juggler. And I remember when Cadence made the American and they said, all right, Charlie, tell us, what do you think if Cadence is winning the American in the final four and Jackie's going to be right behind her? What do you think Jackie will do? I said, slit her throat. She's going to crush her dreams. I said, but I know one thing is is if Cadence beats her, Cadence will know she beat her. Which is really cool because I admire that stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. You know, I have to be married to somebody who's driven. I have to be married to somebody who wants to be a badass. But the thing that I love about her too is that she's also feminine. You know, she makes sure she wears pink. She makes sure she looks good everywhere she goes. And so she does a good job of balancing the badassness, but still, but is still a woman and a lady. She's never having to compromise one for the other. And I think that's just one more thing that makes her such a great role model for other girls, women out there is that she's showing like, you really can do it all. You can have it all. And she is the proof of that. Like you mentioned earlier, she's not just a full-time fierce competitor. She's a full-time mom. You're not taking care of the kids when she's on the road. She's taking them with Mm -hmm. them. And I've read interviews she did where she said, "I I would rather give up than not see my kids for two months or, you know, like quit. I'd rather stop rodeoing. I made the mistake one time of I was going to take Creed up to the Northwest with me. And I, I thought that would kind of also bait her to get up there a little bit more often to come watch. And I think I made it to the interstate. She freaked out. They had to cancel the school she was doing. She couldn't quit crying. She started telling me this was not part of our deal. She completely lost her mind. I'm reading the text message. I'm like, did someone steal her phone? Like she lost her damn mind. She said it was okay like an hour ago. And now you're getting Amber Alert. It was literally like all of a sudden it just couldn't take it. Like, all right, well, so we're going to have to work something out here a little bit because I'm not going to go back in that rodeo rig again, but I can't have the kids not around me too. So I've got to balance this out. So we, you know, the first couple of years have been tough, but we've been figuring it out a little bit better more as we go. Yeah. I think rodeo couples, when both of you are trying to rodeo or just one of you, Finding that balance is so hard. Balance in life just in general is hard, but it's particularly tricky when you're in a relationship, in a lifestyle like this, trying to find that balance. It feels almost impossible. It really does. And I remember when that last year I made the NFR, I was right there halfway through the season and I was contemplating maybe rodeoing again one more year. I had the best sponsors I'd ever had. I'd had the best horses I'd ever had. Logan and I was, he was one of the best partners for me that fit me so good. And I was like, I wonder if I should do it again. Or if this is a good way to go out. And then when she got pregnant with Journey, we kind of sat and talked. And she's like, look, I think breakaway is really going to take off. And I'm like, there's no, no way. There's no way we could both do this. And I was fine with it. I've gotten to do yeah. everything I ever wanted. I made it way longer than I ever thought I would have. And I was ready to move on to my next chapter. So that was one of the reasons we named it Journey. Because that was my next journey in life was to retire and find my niche now out of the arena a little bit more. Yeah. And how appropriate that you're talking about that being your next journey, which is a journey that Luke's on right now. And we're still feel like we're kind of at the beginning of that. And we've had some, there's been some rocky moments in Mm -hmm. this path. You're figuring out a whole new kind of life, which I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she was starting out a whole new journey of her own well and you look at like i say you kind of you think of the savage stuff that you've seen the first year that jackie made the nfr when they had it in dallas and we had talked to a doctor and she was like well can i rope with the nfr which would be this and he was like i don't think so the chances of that horse falling and this and that and so we had actually looked it up and i think that the chances of getting in a car wreck going to heb was higher than a horse that had never fallen on her before and T-Boy was fine. So we ended up getting a doctor that at least knew the Western industry. His daughter rode and things like that, rode barrel horses and stuff. And and so he was like, look, I've got no problem. The only thing I would say would probably be the horn right there. And she's like, without missing a beat, she goes, well, what if I cut it off? And he's like, he kind of looked and seen where like the horn would go. And he's like, I've got no problem with that. So stayed hooked and won the world six months pregnant. And that is just, I don't think, to my recollection, in rodeo history, that's never been done. A woman that's six months pregnant 
going out there and doing something like that. And I think all of us collectively as a rodeo community saw that. You see her and she doesn't have a saddle horn. All all she's doing, really the only difference is she's untucked her shirt at this point. (laughs) She still looks amazing. And she's going out there and still, like you said, she wins the world that year. She's not just showing up. She's also competitively so strong and doing that. And just another moment. And I feel like her career is full of so many of these that you can see it and you're like, wow, if I had daughters and I just have boys, which I guess is no different. You look at somebody like that and you're like, that's the kind of person, not just Mm -hmm. woman. That's the kind of person I want my kids to be like, that's my hero. That's my mentor. Because she's showing that nothing can stop you unless you let it. Mm -hmm. And it was tough, too, because, you know, that put a bullseye on her back. There's a lot of Facebook crap that was going on out there about her, uh, you know, roping and stuff. And, of course, I'm wanting to jump on there and start freaking knocking some. I'm like, I'll find your husband. I'll find your boyfriend. I had to tone that down because it was just a bunch of dumbasses. And so you're going to have that jealousy factor and that whatever that that thing is. And because especially I want to get on there and defend her. I was like, you're not a doctor. We asked our doctor and journey's fine. She's a tick off, but I don't think it had anything to do with that. She ended it for Jackie and I both. Like she is a handful and we we're like, yeah, that's it. No more. We're good. I feel like as parents, you kind of know when you've had your last. I love her. She is. Oh my gosh. But yeah, she's all there. I'm like, I, I think we're going to have our hands full enough with this one. I don't think throwing another one in the boat is going to make this thing rock much better. That's how I feel about our third bear. It's like each of my boys got progressively a little wilder. The first one's pretty mellow. Even the second one, I was like, whoa, we're veering into some dangerous territory here. And then with Bear, I'm just like, this is, he's, I mean, mm-hmm. cannot be tamed. I'm like, we couldn't have another one. Yeah, you got three people, you got three boys daring each other. So now it just escalates. Uh, that is totally true. So having come from the the competition side yourself, and now watching Jackie, and you touched on a few of these, I mean, these qualities that she embodies that make her such a fearsome competitor. Are there either things you see in her, those qualities that you relate to because you also had them? Or are there qualities that you're like, wow, I wish as a competitor, I would have had that. Like you can see it now oh, yeah. like with a little bit Absolutely. of perspective. No, there was times like right there where I took for granted how good I had it and things like that. And I'm watching how the girls are trying to battle in. And there's times where it was like, I tried pretty hard. I competed pretty good. You know, watching her do it though, I think like where I see the difference so much in her is for one, she's driven, but another is she lets it happen. I think I was consistently always trying to make it happen. And there's a lot to that. Um, I see that later in my career, but uh, she lets it happen, but she's out there. You know, a lot of people don't realize too is what a great horseman she is. I would put her up there with the, one of the top rope horse trainers, whether it's breakaway head and, and healing. She is really good at all three. And after a while, I can see why people don't like her because Heck, we even matched playing basketball the other day at the arcade with Creed. And I kept thinking that there was something wrong with the basket keeping track because I never missed a shot. And I know that I was keeping up with her and I look up and she won. And I'm like, I think we played miniature golf again the other day. And there I was just like, man, it'd help if you'd suck at something just a little bit. But she's very naturally talented and very articulate and very educated. And so there's, yeah, yeah it's amazing how well her mind works in so many different categories. Except for being on time. She sucks at being on time. Listen, we can't all be good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. got to have some downfall somewhere. So that competitive spirit she has, it's inside and outside mm-hmm. of the arena. Is there any downside to that? Because I know like in Luke, there there are qualities that made him a really excellent competitor that in his day-to-day life or in our relationship made him kind of difficult. Like they were obstacles that we were up against. He was so stubborn. He was so determined. He was so singularly focused on one thing. And that is great when you're rodeoing for sure. But then you try to come to a marriage with that mindset and it can cause some trouble. Yeah. There's one thing that has helped ease my mind a little bit in the fact that I would not keep doing this because it's too hard for the kids. I'm not around enough. This is one of those things that I think we're on the same page as I really feel like she wants to set foot in Thomas and Mac. And I really think that she's going to do everything she can to get there. And I'm 100% behind that. Now, if this was something that was like, I'm going to do this for the next 20 years, I would kind of have to like, Hey, I don't think this is best for the kids. 
But right. but we're both on that same page to where I had my chance to get there. This is her chance to get there. And there's some sacrifices that are involved. But with the clinics that I have going on, I can get out there every couple of weeks. So it's really not that big a deal. And the good thing about nowadays, too, is we still also still have cell phones where I get to see my kids every day on the phone. There's a lot of people that have businesses and they have lifestyles that how they work that there's a lot of times they don't get to see their kids. So these are things that happen. We're on the same page that I think once she sets foot and gets it to the NFR, I really think that's where like she'll be able to breathe and like I give it all I had. Because I think if, if she doesn't, I think there's always going to be that regret. And that's not anything that I would ever want her to have because I don't have any. Right. I got to do everything I ever wanted. And so, but I will say, you know, I was probably very guarded when we got married to do the right thing, read the books, make sure that with the date nights and then the things like that. They don't have a book on when your wife is driven as much as she is. And yeah. so there's some of the things you just got to figure out yourself. And the amount of times we've gone on date nights and she's looking at her phone and she's just like fidgeting and you could tell she does not want to be there. And I'm like, hey. I'm fine with this. I'm the guy here. So this is where most guys like, hey, man, you got a pass right here. You got a window. Like when she's gone all summer, I don't have no one telling me that I can't work. I can go to as many clinics as I want. I can work my ass off until she gets back and no one's saying that, hey, you're working too hard. You should slow back down. I can get it on now and, and get so many things done and not have to worry about not being present, being grumpy, all the things that could happen at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I just try to use it as a, instead of sitting home feeling sorry for myself because my kids ain't here or getting in the right. rig and completely losing who I am, which would be, like I said, I've been in that rig. I'm just not good with downtime. And it's a good mix in the fact of like here pretty soon, I can see when Creed finds his passion or when Journey's all in, she's going to make sure that's first before her stuff. But I right. bet she gets in the NFR before that. Yeah. Now you touched on something there. Her probably ultimate goal is getting to see the NFR breakaway in the Thomas and Mac as part of the, the NFR. And breakaway has exploded in the last maybe two years. Just massive. You touched on like now how many rodeos it's at there. I guess since 2020 was 2020 kind of the, that was like the first year. Yeah. And there was a lot of strides right there in 2020 till that pandemic showed up. I really thought they were going to have a chance to possibly get there then. And then everything just went south, but this gain and it's coming back. I'm curious. My opinion would be is. And don't quote me, this is just an opinion, but I'm curious what the 2025 NFR contracts look like. Is that going to be the time? Because anytime before that, it's going to be pretty hard to change the NFR. It's not like the NFR needs it. They sell out the crowds. They get plenty of people there already. It's just a matter of if one person on that rodeo committee has a daughter of the breakaways, that's when it seems like it kind of takes effect because they would have a chance to grow the industry. And right. so and what's crazy is a lot of that is up to them. And so, yeah, um, be curious to see what they do with it. I think we all are. And I think it has a lot of support. And I think it's only good for the sport of rodeo. Oh, for yeah, sure. Great for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see the kind of numbers that these rodeos are pulling for girls in the yeah. breakaway and it, they're massive. It's so great. And also just from a spectator perspective, it's so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. It's super fast paced. It's another ladies event. I mean, it has everything. Well, and it gives girls another opportunity. I like the barrel racing. Um, it was great watching the horse flesh. I grew up being huge fans of Charmaine James and the fact that she won the world on a couple of different horses. The the horsemanship Sherry Servey brought to the table was phenomenal. Some of the great horses along the way. But man, that's a tough industry because you can be one of the best riders in the world and you're trying to find that needle in the haystack horse is going to help you absolutely get to where you need to go. And then one one ligament, one one crack of a bone and, and you're done. And at least a breakaway, you have a little bit more ability and, and skin in the game that and you still got to be able to ride, but there's For some sure. ability there with your hands and stuff that can, that is going to give a lot more girls opportunity too, I think, and show the world how good these girls rope. Jackie almost made the American on the head side. Like she, she went through the qualifier and made it all the way to the semifinals in the head side against all the hairy legged guys. That was pretty badass. And literally, I think was one wave off away from making it to AT&T. And so, yeah, just 
the fact of like what the girls can do with the rope is taken off. Yeah. And just more opportunities. Like you said, there are so many of us girls that grew up junior high rodeoing, high school rodeoing, even some events in college rodeo. But there's more than just bell racing at those stages of your life. And, and most of us are doing a lot of them or all of them. And then it's slowly as you progress in these stages of rodeo and higher and higher levels, your opportunities shrink. And then for the longest time, if you wanted to do, be doing it on the biggest stage, bell racing was your only option. So I think now, and that was not everybody's forte, because like you said, I mean, just the sheer cost of the horses alone yeah. in the barrel race that you have to have, mm -hmm. you can't get by on no, an okay horse. You can be the best horse. ride in the world on an okay horse, and it's going to be pretty dang hard to make it. Yeah, for sure. So it's just the opportunity. But going back to her being a 20-time world champion, those are not all breakaway titles. She is really has been in it. She's roping, she's heading the, the team roping, all of that stuff. So she's been in this for so much longer than just these last couple years that people are seeing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that is a big driving force in her now, like wanting to hang in there until you get it into the NFR where everybody can see. Right. You know, it says funny. What is that one saying where most people's overnight success takes a whole year, a whole lifetime to create and all the stuff that she's done that you just didn't hear about because it was either an amateur title or a WPRA title that no one really talked about and stuff. And then all of a sudden now that right. breakaway's gotten mainstream, and all of a sudden now her accolades come and follow her. And it's like, yeah, no, she was been at it for a while, working for Trevor Brazil and working for LD and working for some of the top people and making head horses and heel horses and breakaway horses and understands exactly how the rope works, exactly how the horse works. And now all of a sudden now it's, they're getting blown up with headlines and stuff. And, she roped calves really well. I think she, I don't remember what her, she was eight or nine at one <laughs> rodeo she went to, but she ropes calves really well. She won the world and okay. the girls from the calf roping. I think the healing, the heading for sure, and the breakaway. What's funny is I take the credit to get her started on the whole breakaway world title thing. So I think she was wanting to do a, a DVD on breakaway. I said, how many times have you won the world in the breakaway? She's like, I don't know. Might want to find that out. Probably go pretty good on that cover of that DVD. And she looks, she's like, I've never won the world in the breakaway. So maybe we should put like that at like the top of your list this year. Maybe that's one thing is I bet that would sell some DVDs. And then just like that, puts that on top of her list. By the end of the year, she was a breakaway world champion. Wow. You know, it's like when she puts her head into it, like there, there's no stopping it. Right. So I take credit for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is all yours. Yeah. We're, we're going to get you a matching gold buckle for yeah. sure to go with. Yeah. Trevor would say, you need the golden hoofpick award. We just need to get you one that says it was all my idea. Yeah. Exactly. So you talked about it, like when you're trying to do date night and everything and she's not there. So what do you guys do to like spend quality time together or reconnect when you're together? We really don't. We don't. I get in the rig and I drive and whenever she has time or she's off of her phone, she might throw something my way and then <laughs> That's about it. Between being a mom, between rodeoing and the sponsors and social media and everything. And I'm good. Like I said, I, I, I remember what it was like. I know what it's like. And the last thing I need is just to throw another burden there. So it's not yeah. like I'm going anywhere. So all this does give me time to go get other stuff done that we have going on that takes a lot of time as well. I would say that when things slow down, that I would bet that there's probably going to be some more things we get to go do later. I think sometimes though, like there are moments where the best thing you can do is just not add more pressure. Like you said, you don't want to be a burden. And I'm sure she doesn't see you that way. But just the pressure of like one more person needing your attention. Yeah. And I've made that mistake because I was so worried about not doing my part. I didn't want to be the guy that was not present, not at home and not and stuff like that. But then like when I look back at it, I was I think I was getting in the way. And so I was like, for a guy, this is a golden opportunity. I can step back. So yeah, it is different. We've almost thought about making a Facebook post we thought was funny where she came out in a dress and high heels and I came out in my tux and we were on date night. We went out and rubbed the dummy first before we left. <laughs> I'm going to be perfectly honest. That's what I imagined your guys' date like. Yeah. And people ask us all the time, like, how do you maintain it or how do you prioritize? How do you connect? If you've ever been in a tornado, that's about what it's like. There is not one. And rodeo is too tough to try to do what things molded other people's marriages and what other people's lives were like. That's yeah. just not how rodeo works. It's very unpredictable. Yeah. Takes a lot of sacrifices on both sides. Usually the person not rodeoing. And, and I, like I said, I knew that I right. was on the other side of it. So I know 
what sacrifice that other person has to endure. And so I get on the backside right now. I'm retired here. And so I'm, I'm going through that on that side. But it, it was easy for me because I understood it because I was where she's at. But there is no trying to maintain. There's no structure. There's no none of that. You're grinding to try to. The one thing you, you understand is when you enter the Western industry is you're going to work harder for less. Well, you said it. And so there's only 24 hours in a day. And so there's some things that just don't, you just don't get to have time for. And sometimes I don't think that's really all that bad. As long as you're able to be there when they need each other and stuff. And then both sides know we're not going nowhere. And I think that's where we are in our journey right now. Because like I say, this is a lot of first for both of us. I'm only, I think, three years in retirement and I've got a lot of things going on outside the arena right now that I've been working on and developing. And this is her first time with that's many kids full time rodeo. And so there's a lot of firsts. So there's a lot of things that we're both figuring out also along the way. Yeah. One of the things I think I'm hearing you say is that we tend to jump into these roles that we think the outside world kind of assigns to us. Like you kept trying to do the good husband thing, right? Well, if I check off this checklist, I do this, I do date night, I do this, like we'll be happy. And at some point, you have to actually look at like, am I doing this because I think it's expected of me or society expects it of me or because it's actually working? Is it actually benefiting my life? Is it actually making our relationship better? Or is there another way that's going to work better for us? Yeah. And you have to read the play. You got to read the situation for sure. One thing about rodeo, you got to learn to read your steers. And so sometimes being married, you have to do the same thing. You got to pay attention a little bit and kind of read the situation. And I'm not very good at it, but it was one of those things like, all right, you're not really wanting to be here. You're bored. So we can stop this. Is there no big deal? So you find something else fun. And she has the same movement too. So we're both kind of a little bit that way. I enjoy relaxing and I enjoy having good steak and stuff like that and unwinding, but she loves staying moving. So our deal is a little bit tough in the fact that I'm a morning. I, I like to get up and get after it. She don't come alive till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and and I'm already asleep. I've already went to bed. Right. So yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of learning where each other's kind of peak points are. That's very much Luke and I. I'm the night owl. He's not. So I'm always like poking him in bed and he's like, yeah. oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything you've said, it sounds like your time that you spent rodeoing has been beneficial to your marriage in so many ways because you truly just get it. And yeah. I think that's what we need in a partner is somebody who really can really understand where we're at because no matter what you're going through, when you're able to truly stop and put yourself in the other person's shoes, see things from their perspective, you're just so much better off. And, you know, it was funny, you know, as a father and a, and a husband, you know, when Jackie and Cadence were both the American and, and Cowboy Stadium, it was pretty cool, yeah. especially that I'd already been there. And then Jackie and I got to compete there together as well. Now being done and then pushing Cadence through the, the little alleyway right there of her success right there. And then watching them both compete it was funny because I was in two different roles, even though we're in the same event with Cadence, you're like, all right, just remember, like when things get overwhelming, put that phone away. Because the more success you get, the more everybody that cussed you on the way that said you shouldn't have been doing this and there was no way to make a living and I can't believe you're pursuing this. They're all going to call and tell you how proud they are and they've always been your biggest fan and all those things that go on right there on on success. And I said, when that gets overwhelming, make sure you put that away. Those are distractions. Bill Belichick said it best when the Patriots beat the Seahawks that one year and kept telling his team, avoid the noise. Learn to avoid the noise, ignore the noise. Don't read the papers. Don't listen to sports center. Same thing right here. You got to remember it's, it can be overwhelming because you you have a job to do. And so mainly for her, I was just trying to keep her on the tracks. Remember what got you here. You got to hit that start and you got to find your shot. The rest is going to take care of itself. Keeping it simple, just keeping it up. Cause I mean, she's never seen anything like that. So yeah, there's a lot of success that came, I think 17 or 18 when that was going on. So, yeah, a lot of success came all at once for her that was uh, a lot of hype, especially being on our bloodlines with our last name as well. And so it really hyped it. And that was a lot for her. Do you think that following in Jackie's footsteps, do you see them being compared or do you see that putting pressure on her? I think that's pressure on her. I think some people look at those things like that as opportunity. And I think some people look in that situation as a burden. And I think where she's hard-headed a little bit like I am, I think she wants to make her own name. I think she wants to do it her own way. And so it's like, you can. It's admirable. But, man, there's so many things that you could avoid 
But this is up to you, though. You're your own person now. Like Ken Bray always says, you got to see how the playground works. You're going to get a lot of bloody noses. But it was cool to see where she went and how far she got all the way to the last day. But then on the same hand, then you're managing Jackie, which is completely different. You have someone with so much experience to where now we're talking about the calf, how he breaks, how fast he's going to go. When you rope him right there, is he going to let off? Is he going to keep going? What start you take? When to start that first swing? How many swings? What we need to be. If there's two swings, you're probably going to be between two, three, two, five. If it's three swings, maybe two, four, two, seven. Like the amount of dissecting we can do is almost like would blow a lot of people's minds away because yeah. we both understand. And she has so much experience that, you know, we also know what the other person's calf is. So we know the stroke, you know, we're strategizing. And with cadence, you're just trying to keep it simple. Just keep it simple and go keep doing what you're doing. So it was funny how I was in different roles. You know, it was a lot of fun. So you and Jackie do like she's getting advice from you. She's telling you what cap she has. You guys are breaking it down together. Yeah. So like what I'll do is I said, all right, so you're third out. Two girls in front of you. What happens if no one's caught? And she's like, Kelsey's sitting back there waiting to kick my ass. So I need to make sure that I hit the start right there and I freaking get it on him. I'm like, that's exactly what I would do too. But I know her calf right there might let up. So I think if I can get the start and two swings right there, I think I can do good because I think my calf's going to leave. So like we're strategizing in ways to where like, all right, because I've competed long enough to know that like when you have a game plan and you start telling yourself what you're going to do, it's so much easier than don't screw up. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because the mind isn't here. Yeah. Don't. You know, when you say, don't see a pink elephant, what do you say? <laughs> and so it's important to be having that going over that mind. You're visualizing your run. Visualization is so key. So you're visualizing sure. that run that you're, you're trying to make right there. So that when you're back in the box, you can just trust what your is your game plan. And it either yeah. goes good or it doesn't, but at least you have a game plan. More times than not, it goes pretty good. Yeah. So when she's in a slump because everybody has them every rodeo cowboy cowgirl is gonna go through a time Last when year. they're just in a slump yeah what do you do in those times to help her through it i also found myself last year making some mistakes of looking back at it making sure i pay attention on when she asks or when she just sends me a run when she's just yeah. wanting to talk and when she's wanting advice those are some things i've really tried to get better at I don't even know if she knows it either that or she's like, finally, your dumbass figured it out. I'm not sure which, but I really am trying to make sure that you're going to get it. We all know that. And yeah. making sure that the confidence is still there because there's times like that. I told her like when there's times when you go in slump because rodeo is so much different than what she's used to. Of You can go months without practicing, weeks without practicing, and you sit in that rig so long, you lose your feel, you lose your hand-eye coordination being in there. And then sometimes all of a sudden then when it hits – then you can't lose. And so those things come and go. The main yeah. thing I keep telling her is like when she was hitting that slump, I said, look, don't let that last calf dictate this one because you're one run away from hitting, getting on a roll. So make sure that you're not thinking about that last one. Make sure that you're still trying to get there and find that shot because one win can change your whole outlook. It's huge. We talk about it a lot on this podcast, but how the mental aspect of rodeo, having a, a tough mental game mm -hmm. is one of, if not the largest determining factor in actually finding success yeah. rodeoing. Yeah. Yeah. Does she have an Achilles heel, something that you see that is always gets her or a weak spot that you have to either help her with or help her through or encourage her through? No, I mean, there's really not one. Honestly, I think since T-Boys started slowing down, it's just been a matter of finding that right fit underneath of her horse-wise. And sure. I think where she's going in her career is, is looking really good. There's nothing right now that's going to slow her down. I think she's got the right stuff under her now to where I can see her getting better even in the next couple of years. It's hard to have an Achilles heel when you never leave a stone unturned. That girl's always going to look to get better. Well, and I think what you just said is it, is she's always looking to get better. And I know that was Luke too. And that was one, going back to what we were talking to about before, where myself as a competitor, when I was rodeoing, I would become complacent. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't see that at the time. It was only the benefit of hindsight after stepping away from it that I saw that I did that. But one of the things that pointed it out to me was watching Luke 
and how he was far more successful than I was. And one of the things that set him apart was that he could be the best and the best wasn't good enough for him because he was always looking to get better. He always knew that there was a way that he could get better. He was never just resting on his laurels. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a moment where he's like, oh, I'm the world champ. Like, I'll take a week off. And it sounds like she's the exact same way. Yeah. No, there's no rest. Like I said, I watched Michael Jordan's documentary and there's a lot of similarities there. You asked me earlier about what she drove in me and what I've driven in her is my natural talent probably wasn't my natural talent damn sure wasn't as good as hers. Like a lot of things that she does, like I said, she's very educated. She's very pretty. She's very athletic. She's very sharp. She can see something and she just gets it. I'm not that way. I'm not educated. It takes me a little while. Like I learn differently. I'm more visual. And so like when I kind of first got there, it took me a long time to figure it out. I would say that probably the fact that I don't give up and the fact that I do surround myself with the people that do. But what I started getting really good at that I think helped me get to 10 NFRs was I strategized very well. I did the little things that no one else did. I went and bought a rope barrier and put it up at home. I made sure my box, I can make it the same as Houston or I can make it the same as San Antonio. I can make my boxes the same as any rodeo in the country. And so I would make so many runs at home that to where when I got there, my preparation was very well. And so when I got to the rodeos, the only thing that changed was the environment. When she's watching me over there, she's like, what? This didn't quite get it. And then I was like, you need to start getting this done right here. Because if you're getting able to get ready for San Antonio before you even get there, you don't want to be feeling how the rodeo is when you get there. You want to feel ready. And so we started doing the same thing with her boxes, started doing the same stuff with her made sure we had a barrier for her and stuff and in the same stuff. Right. And so that's where we've been good. I think back and forth with each other is that mostly I would say is that a lot of our weaknesses is their strengths and a lot of and vice versa. So yeah. it's, as far as a team goes, it's, it's pretty well matched. We've talked about the American a little bit, but that was her win at the American was such a moment this for year? rodeo. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just want to go back to that. What was that moment like? For you, because I don't know that there was a dry eye in the place. Like I was in tears listening to her talk there. What was that moment like for you as a husband? So I was in a clinic in Louisiana. And so I had gotten done. We started early that day because she made it that day. And I'm telling you, when I, four o'clock, there's guys like, hey, well, what about when I feed them? Four o'clock, I told you guys I'm out. So I'm hauling butt out of this clinic out of Louisiana and I'm driving as fast as I can to get back there. And I barely missed her first run. Oh. She ends up winning, I think, winning second in the, the yeah. final eight or whatever it was. So she made the t- final four. So, so I'm there. So I'm good. Now, I was a little bit fatigued in the fact, like, getting there in a two-day clinic and things like that. But the main thing was just trying to stay out of her way. Like, she, I mean, you know, everything you talk about, like, she was on cue. So, it, you know, you don't jack with a winning streak. And you just you just maintain it. You need anything to drink, that's about it. And when she went and won it, like when she roped and hit the barrier, because the one thing we've been working on with that horse was getting to the pin, get to that pin right there. If you'll get it, if you hit that start and get to that pin, your shots right there. And so the amount of times we've been working on the timing of when to bring your rope up, when you get to that pin, where that cast head is and setting that shot up. And when I'm telling you, the funny part is like that. And that's her. It's like Jordan when you put him in there and you give him the ball in that last shot for the championship. When you put her in those situations that high, that's when, and even that horse, I'll give that, that horse credit. There's been times I'm like, he just won't get it. He won't figure it out. But he's another one that kind of steps up a little bit also when the things are on the line. And it, I mean, nailed the start, got crossed right there. And that calf shot was right there when she hit it right there. and went, I think she just won it. Yeah. I think she just won it right there. And when Shelby went, because that's going to be a tough one to beat, the stars have to align. You have to get a right start on the right calf. And when she won it, I was like, I was probably not a great husband. And the fact of like, I kind of didn't know what to say. I was like, (laughs) holy shit. She just won the American. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I'm like, the chances of that happening are so small. Yeah. And it's very few times can you say in rodeo that it's a life changing win. Right. Even I won Houston before and won 50,000. And it's a great win. No disrespect, but you still can't buy a truck. You know, when you're in the chance to win a million right there, a that's million. where things get changed. When I'm like, 
you just did it. And we probably were both about like that for two or three days. Like I'd look at her and she'd look at me and we, we may not even said anything. I think it's perfectly normal in that situation to be speechless. That's the perfect time in life. It really was. It's not like very many people have experienced that in the rodeo in the Western no. industry, especially married guys and stuff like that. And it was just like, I'm proud of you. I think you kicked right. ass. You did a great job. But like, wow, you just, you right. did it. Like that's, that's phenomenal. It was cool. It was unbelievable for the kids to see it. Always knowing, you know, what that was about and what that happened. And just a trail is she's blazed right there. Journey's going to have, she's going to have a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding of what it's like to give a hundred. Yeah. You know, and that's the, the, the main thing we want to make sure all of our kids know is I don't care what your passion is. Just know what a hundred is. Know what giving a hundred percent is. That means it's everything. There's nothing left in the tank. Not 97. It's everything you have. And. When you do that, there's there's no way you're not going to be successful. Unless you put 100% into being something stupid, then you'll be 100% in jail. But if that was your goal, you're still successful, exactly right? Exactly right. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> now, we've also touched on your rodeo husband. You are a rodeo dad. And now with Cadence, but you've been around rodeo a long time, late 90s, early 2000s, rodeoing there. How have you seen just rodeo in general change in the last 25 years because it's pretty huge. Yeah. So I, that's why I tell everyone in my clinics, like I grew up roping in the eighties and professionally roping in the nineties. And so I've had to evolve my roping so much and, and the speed that it's at and the team roping is unbelievable. We're dusting a squeeze has taken what speedy started in the nineties and early two thousands to a whole nother level. And it is just, it's so fast. Now, as far as the business model, I don't know where it's going. I know that the rodeos are paying. Thank God for the committee stepping up. They're the lifeblood of this whole thing. You know, they're the ones adding the breakaway. They're the ones really trying to do what's right, I think, for them girls. Yeah. But the business model struggles. But, you know, it's funny because when I was rodeoing, I'm sure you remember when me and Luke was starting the ERA, we got kicked out <laughs> of PRCA. I was one of the guys that got voted on the team rope and to go to that meeting and try to work with the PRCA. Me and Trevor and a handful of us, Bobby Moat, a handful of us trying to talk about the negotiations with the contracts of everything and like, hey, let's get together. How about the guys that are actually making a living out here in the committees and everyone on the, we're coming to you. We want to work together. How can we make right. this work to where there's the guys are getting more money in pockets? Because the fact that the PRCA is a membership run organization, the guys making a living are a very small percent of the PRCA. And so in my mind, I thought I was doing everything I could to make it better. I always, yeah. I was always heard you want to make it better than that, how you found it. And that was our goals. That was every one of our goals when everything was in place. And when they literally just ignored us and yeah. walked away from us and it was like a slap in the face. It's like you really started seeing where the underline of all the people that just running this thing was. It's, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Right. And so we just thought may, maybe some competition would be good for them. So we started the ERA that year. And some of us, it was. It was good. And some people, it, it, they sacrificed their career. Some of the guys you didn't see after that. I think the one thing that I wish people understood about that time period was that everybody involved, it came from such a genuine place of mm -hmm. wanting to make rodeo better. Absolutely. There was such a misconception that... Politics got involved. Yeah, we're, we're out for themselves. It truly felt just like how our Democratic Republican Party are now. They're so divided. The country was divided. As soon as that came out... It was your either PRCA or your ERA. It, it was crazy how political it got. It really did. And, and I think that it was so frustrating for me watching from the outside is that these people are like, oh, they're just out for themselves. They're trying to make themselves rich. I'm like, do you not know anything about rodeo? First yeah, of all, nobody's absolutely. in it to get rich. And second of all, it could not have been more opposite in the fact that every one of you that stood up and tried to take a stand were taking paid cuts. It was truly a sacrifice of some brave guys that I thought that that did it. And I'm not cussing yeah. PRCA. In, in one perspective, it is the one thing that that give me a lot of opportunity. And and as much as we cuss it, it is still the best association that there is. It's just it's sad that there's not some some ways it could get better. If they want to think that I'm cussing it, they can always make it better too, just like the government. If they wanted to get better, they could. So now the last few years, I just wrote. I went rope and I kind yeah. of enjoyed my last few years, especially my last year when I knew it was it and where Jackie's at now. So I remember like when I was written all that, she was like, she'd get on to me a little bit where it sounded a little bit, I would say entitled a little bit. And 
Oh, great. Just like now that it's just got completely rolled. Now she's fighting and trying to get it in the NFR and getting all this stuff. And she's taking all these same roles. There's been a lot of times where I'm like, I remember you telling me something that I'm about to say to you. And I'm wondering how much you're going to like it. Remember kind of how our roles changed a little bit? Yeah. The fact, the thing is, she was right then. But like, she also knew I was also trying to make it better. And like right here, I'm trying to make sure, okay, let's be done with some of this other stuff because it's taking a toll on your competition. You know what I mean? You're doing a good job of leading it, but now it's time to think about roping. Well, and it gives you to the perspective to be able to say, here's what I learned. I learned just go back to roping. Yeah. But it's hard when you're getting the middle of it. I I think I went to Pendleton last year and I was cooking for all the girls. And I think I cooked two packages of bacon and a whole case of eggs. They just kept on coming in and stuff like that. It was amazing what I learned. (laughs) In like a dozen <laughs> eggs and two packages of bacon. You get sucked into like the cyclone of rodeo talk. Exactly right. So since you've seen, you've really seen rodeo from every perspective, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to break into the game, who wants to pursue a professional career? You better be passionate about it. You better love it because you are going to be broke. You are going to be desperate. You're going to be lonely. You're going to You might go through a relationship. Your horse might get hurt right at the wrong time. You better love it. You better be as passionate as anything that you've ever done in your life. And you'll you'll get there then, but you better be. Because if you're half-assed, you're going to hate it. You're going to be so bitter because it's a hard life. The great thing about the Western industries are some of the greatest people here because there's farmers out there that plow the ground all day so we can eat. There's ranchers out there that bust their ass all day long. They're the real cowboys that... Make sure that we have beef on the table. And that's a hard life. And so rodeo is really not much a different perspective. It, it's still the same thing. You're driving a lot of sleepless hours or driving a lot of all year long to chase a mirage at some time. Because I've seen some people that win world titles and are like, is this it? That's it? Like, my wife left me. I haven't seen my kids. I lost my house. Is this it? So you, you better love it. When I, I was talking earlier, it's hard to manage a lot of things, but man, priorities got to stay pretty, pretty tight when you're out there because a guy can lose perspective out there pretty fast if you're not, if you're not careful. The one thing I would say biblically is in the Bible where it talks about a false idol. And that's where I think a lot of kids, if you're not careful, they're chasing that NFR, they're chasing that gold buckle. And when that become greater than God, then I think that's where things, I think that's when your house can be built on sand if you're not careful. And so that was the one thing I was always truly worried about when I was rodeo. And I wanted to make sure that Jackie understood that was not me. That was not what was going to happen. I'm going to give everything I got, but my family and God's way more important, but I still love it. I, I, I endured all that stuff and it taught me so many great lessons. But if I was going to do it again, I'd, I'd take another route. I think, but I'm still pretty sure I would have been chasing it for sure. But yeah, you better love it. I think that's genuinely some of the best advice I've ever heard. I mean, for life in general, but definitely when it comes to rodeo, I don't think that I've heard it put in such poignant words the way that you just did. Well, I appreciate that. I've been through some ups and downs out there. You know, those ups burn just as much as the downs in your soul. I remember when I was rodeoing, before I had made it and I hadn't won anything. And I looked at my horse and I said, I'm just trying to figure out which one is going to eat tonight. Is it you or me? Mm. Because I didn't have no hay. I didn't have no grain. I didn't have no money. But the one thing my dad at least taught me how to do is shoot. And so that always kept me eating. I got to where I could actually hear what it sounded like when a foot hit the ground and it was missing a shoe. There's a sound that made to me, that sound was lunch. Luckily, right about the time I looked at him, there was a shoe that needed put on. And we were able to buy some hay from somebody and I was able to eat that night. And so you're going to go through that. Like I said, you better love it. You better be passionate about it. And then there's times I remember doing a dirt angel in my very first NFR in the head box. I remember my first round win after 62 runs at the NFR and run my first round. That's wow. sitting out in my pasture. I named him finally. <laughs> Finally, that's so bad. And my last round win is my NFR at the last NFR I made. I remember what it was like to make that victory lap. I remember what it was like to have uh, Cadence on stage with me, you know, doing the interviews. I always ask people, 
towards the end of our talk what their favorite rodeo moment was or memory. And I think you just told me yours is those are so special. Yeah, they'll burn in your soul. And I bought the S-tier, too. He's standing up in pasture as well. His name's Dunn. Finally and Dunn. Oh, those are so good. So we're doing a new thing. You're the second time we've done it here. But we're having past guests of the show leave questions for future guests. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you okay. from one of our uh, previous guests. And I promised them I wouldn't name any names. So this is a mystery guest. You won't know who it is. As a couple, do you guys write down your goals for the year together? We used to. Yeah, we used to. We would write down our goals, personal goals, rodeo goals, place goals, what we want to like, what we want to add on to the place where sure. we want to go and stuff like that. And it's cool to sit there and watch that stuff get crossed off the list. Here lately with kids, we haven't done it near as much. I think we, we set individual ones now. I think that's where it's been hard. I think with anything is the priorities of things is when you throw two more kids on there and, and it's kind of recent for us both. And we're both doing a lot of different first things. And so I think we're patient with each other and the fact that we know we're still going to be there. But yes, I'm a big goal oriented guy. That's one of the things that got me to the NFR was setting that goal. And there's nothing more fun than setting a goal. And then, all right, now how? Yeah. How am I going to, how am I going to do it? That's where the planning starts. So if you're a goal setter, are you a like big picture goal setter? Are you setting like when you st- January 1st, are you like my goal for this year is making the NFR in December? Or are you, uh, all right, I know that's what I ultimately want, but I'm going to make 12 small goals to get me there. Or are you just like, you can have your eye on the prize? Yeah. When I first started, it was NFR. That was my goal. I had no plan. Probably why I ended up in so many different places doing all these odd <laughs> jobs. I had a dream, no plan. I think what a lot of people do, and this is what I teach a lot of my roping is in clinics, is you're trying to skip too many steps, trying to get there too fast. There's a reason why a house is built. There's a reason why the concrete underneath is very strong. That's your foundation. You've got to have that before you add the walls. you got to add that before you get the trusses up and the roof and then the drywall and the cabinets and everything. Everyone wants the pool in the backyard. Everyone wants the shiny stuff right there. There's a process that sometimes gets there. But for right now, it's like, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in three years? Where do I want to be by the end of the year? Where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be by next month? How do I get that started today? Yeah. So that's how I plan my stuff. So I feel like after our last hour together, I'm a better person and <laughs> I've learned a lot about life. This was so great. I've just really enjoyed it in so many ways. And I'm going to be listening back to this several times and making my kids listen to it too, because I think I feel like you had so much wisdom that you just shared with us. But I know that you're doing a lot of clinics and schools and that's where your focus is now. So if people want to come and learn from you, tell us where they can go. Yeah, my fan page and I got people that host clinics. I, was, I think I was up to 43 this year. So that's quite a bit. I've talked to Chris Cox. Yeah. He says, holy crap, that's a lot. So I figure if he says that's a lot, that's a lot. And then right now we're really, really gearing up to try to get ready for my military event that we do at the end of the year in November. Last year, it it was phenomenal. It's my third year doing it. Jackie and I have done clinics at our house since 2014 for military and first responders. It's free of charge. By 2020, it got to where it's taken off to where we were getting hundreds of phone calls for this 30-people clinic. And when Trey Johnson came involved with it, it's amazing that people started getting help with PTSD People started getting help with people that are struggling spiritually. I don't know how many of them we saved as far as giving their life to Christ. And so by 2020, we started having an event where we was raising money. And I think 47000 that year in a jackpot we had where the top 15 guys were there. The military guys got to rope with the guys going to the NFR. And now we've gotten money added to all those ropings. And last year, we ended up giving over $250,000 to wow. uh, military and first responders other charities. Um, we end up housing a guy that got blown up in the army in Iraq and funding enough money to get him into a home. We also donated enough money to Brotherhood for the Fallen, which is takes care of the law enforcement. If you're a police officer and you get murdered in the line of duty, we help this foundation because what ends up happening is that when a police officer gets killed, it's six months before his family gets the benefits. So it's up to that wife and her kids come up with rent, the funeral costs, wow. food, all the bills that come in from now till six months. 
So the person that got, we're going to find his name, but we're going to host him at our clinic, our event this year that just died, I believe, around Cisco. So we were able to help that family get by. The one thing that I would say when I was rodeoing was, I would probably say that was my my biggest fear, was if, if that happened. The one thing that I knew that is that my friends and the Western industry would have uh, took care of my family. Yeah. And that was a lot of confidence that I had that, you know, it's not like a, a rodeo cowboy had a lot of money sitting around. So if something was to happen, yeah. it's not like Jackie would have been just you know, set for life. And, <laughs> right. Uh, but I would have known that this industry takes care of, of us yes. and we take care of each other. Yeah. And not all military guys have that. My dad was a Marine and I'd watched his struggles. And then you watch the fact of what little our government does for these guys. And these are the guys that let us get to do what we want to do. This is how we get yes. to rodeo. This is how Luke and I got to chase our dreams, how Jack yes. gets to chase our dreams. And so this was my way to make sure that those guys are not forgotten. Yeah. And the first year I did this, it was amazing because the first year I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a military roping where they get to rope with each other. I'm going to have a, a mill pro, which is what I call it. That way they get to rope with the guys mm -hmm. going to the NFR. And then mm -hmm. they got to sit back and watch the NFR. They have the top 15 guys going at it right there. And I thought it would be a great day for them. Yeah. And the amount of times the guys came to me in tears, their wives came to me in tears and said that was the best day of their life. And it was amazing because at the time it was like, man, the things that I complain about. Right. You know, this was a slap in the face for me because it was something that I get to do this every single day. And those guys got to feel, they got to see what it was like to be in my shoes for one day. And it was the best yeah. day of their life. And so after that, I was like, all right, we think that's cool. Now yeah. give me 365 days. I'll blow your socks <laughs> off. And so now we're sure. up to, we have money added. They get to rope at the NFR showdown at Cowtown Coliseum through this. So 15 guys in the military first responder rope and get to feel what it's like to rope at the NFR. We set up the same setup, everything. We have 20,000 added when they get done. The winner gets to make a victory lap like he won the average of the NFR. He gets to stand in front of saddles, buckles, a check that says 10,000. And we've even this year got back numbers for him. So rodeo mm -hmm. committees this year are stepping up and they're going to have. So I think Reno Rodeo, I think San Antonio, I know for sure. Fort Worth, I think even Cheyenne, they're all donating back numbers for these guys. So we're having a back wow. number ceremony at our gala, which is where we raise all of our money. So Heck I want yeah. to know what it's like to make the NFR. Yeah. I'm one of the few people besides the guys that do make it feel what that's like. And yeah. so, man, the amount of people that I've got to learn, the things that I've learned, it's uh, it's been pretty cool. I would say it's crazy how or why it, it makes me so emotional. I'm not real sure. I think the fact of I cuss my government, but I love my country. <laughs> I think yeah. that's probably one of, a, one of the reasons. Yeah. But I bet probably out of the 45 years that I've been on this earth and some of the things that I've won and some of the things that I've been known for, when you got some of the, the biggest badasses in the world come up to you and say, and they say that you're an American worth fighting for, <laughs> that's pretty cool. It really is. I mean, it's what you want to be, yeah. right? To me, that's the reason why we're down here. Yes. And uh, absolutely. like I said, not trying to throw a hinge in the outing of where this podcast is going, but it is one of those things that rodeo and I would say is an extremely selfish industry. And what yeah. I mean by that is if you're chasing your dreams and your goals, you have to be pretty selfish because if you don't do it yourself, it's not going to get done. And if you don't give it your all, you're not going to make it. I think some of the regrets I think that I have to this point was the amount of selfishness that I had to do to get to where I wanted to go and the fact of putting my wife through so much being gone because um, it was all about me. It was me all about winning. And to be able to fulfill this role right here where I'm able to give back to the guys that make this country great has been it's been very fulfilling. And I would say that's probably one of my greatest accomplishments to this point. And it's only getting nothing but better. But yeah, there's a lot to gratitude. There's a lot to giving back. I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough in our industry because it is, it's about making it because if you don't make it, you yeah. don't eat. And that's, what's been 
fun in the transition of where now that I'm retired, being able to give back a lot more and yeah. that makes me feel a lot better about it. I'm able to use my name now in a different way and where I want it to go. Hearing everything that you just talked about, which are things so close to my heart, I can say that I'm just proud to be part of a lifestyle that is full of people like you and proud to hear the things that you're doing. And I will make sure when this episode comes out that we give people the information they need to go to where they can to support these ventures that you have. But I also just want to say that you've had such a successful career and so many wins, but it's really clear to me hearing you talk and hearing the things that are important to you that a much bigger part of your legacy will be what you're doing outside of the arena now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Liberty and Loyalty Foundation is a 501c3 that I started. And the event that I have in November is the American Hero Celebration with Charlie Crawford. We start off November 8th and 9th with the clinic at NRS in Decatur. And then we have the, the ropings that go on on Friday at NRS. And those are the ones that are getting qualified to the NFR showdown on Saturday at Cowtown. Well, Charlie, I just can't thank you enough for being here today. I've enjoyed every minute of this. And you've officially broken the ice for Rodeo Husbands everywhere. I just first. keep on getting notches on my belt. Yeah. Jackie is a trailblazer in the yeah. arena and you are a trailblazer on the podcast front. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you guys for inviting me. I hope you've had as much fun as I have listening to the heartwarming stories, adventures, mishaps, and life lessons from the arena and beyond. Now that you're officially a member of our Big Rodeo family, it would mean so much to us if you could take a moment to leave a rating and a written review. I'm passionate about putting these stories out into the world, and I love hearing your feedback. Knowing exactly what you want to hear more of or how an episode resonated with you helps us to continue to grow and, most importantly, share even more of our wild rodeo lives. Mm-hmm.